We're reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and that's on page 1025, 1025, for those who are using church Bibles. We start at verse 5, and it's the part of the section, the birth of John the Baptist foretold. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well on in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, he is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he had seen a vision in the temple. He realized that. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Christians are a Christmas people. 
We often act like Easter people, uh, because we are Easter people, uh, but we forget that Easter ended with a resurrection. Christians are a Christmas people. That is what defines us. God himself uh, come to earth in the form of Jesus, the Son of God himself, to die and live in our place. And yet I wonder why so often we, we look like people do at Christmas, like my parents do at Christmas, which is Christmas is for someone else, it's for the kids. It's, it's for the kids. We, we opt ourselves out of, of joining in this celebration so much in our daily life. If I've confused you already, what I mean is we are a miserable bunch of people much of the time. And we may have every reason to be miserable. Life may be very, very hard. I'm not denying that. But if we were looking for one word to define our church, I would love it if our one word was Christmas. It feels like Christmas every time I go there. Because my family are there, and we're joyful, and we celebrate And the cares of tomorrow seem to have been put to one side in the face of what Christmas means. Do you know know what I'm talking about? Not Boxing Day where the toys break and the kids fight. That that three-minute period on Christmas where everything is going right before the sprouts get wheeled out and ruin what is meant to be a glorious day. Are you getting what I'm talking about? We are meant to be a Christmas people. I'm going to try and show you in the passage today how Zechariah becomes a Christmas person. He goes from being a very faithful believer to becoming a Christmas person. And um, hopefully that that will be helpful uh, for you this morning. Um, I want to ask you just a quick question, just to to share uh, with your partner. What is it you really, really, really want this Christmas? And please try and avoid being very spiritual at this point. That's my job. Um, (laughs) What do you really, really, really want uh, this Christmas? I'm going to give you just 30 seconds to, to share together what you really, really, really want this Christmas. Just 10 more seconds. Okay. Two things. Number one, I don't care what you want. What I care about is the fact that the minute you talked about it, did you hear the joy? Did you hear that? The, the buzz of, and the smile. Some of you are still smiling, either because you have to go and change the present you've brought already. Uh, it's that kind of sickened smile. Oh, Keyed for hours in Devon's for this one. But there was suddenly, looking around the room, the Christmas person thing became a reality just for a second as you talked about it. Some of you were probably going, all I want is something really useful. Because that's what happens when we get old. I mean, it's... It's, it's true. It's true. I, 
But, but, what's great about Christmas is it's, it's both useful but glorious, isn't it? Christmas is glorious. And, and you know, the minute we, we lose sight of that, and the minute, especially we as adults, opt out of what this Christmas is about by giving in to that thing that video talked about, the stress, the shopping, the, the anxieties about, the minute we give in to that, we have allowed the devil to rob us of what is our defining day. We are a Christmas people. Are you getting the idea now? That's what I'm trying to talk about today. Let, let's, let's see this really briefly. I mean, um, and some words are going to come up on the screen. The question was asked, what do you really want for Christmas? In our, in our reading, Elizabeth and Zechariah really knew what they wanted. It's right there at the beginning of the story. A, 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 a sad and challenging and stark fact. Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, righteous upright before God, observing the law and his commandments and regulations, but they had no children. Life is tough. Life is tough. And yet what's amazing about Elizabeth and Zechariah is they, they'd stuck with it. They'd stuck with God through this time. Later on, they, they don't know there's going to be a reward for that, but they stuck with God at this time because they knew he was faithful. Elizabeth and Zechariah knew what they wanted. And yet there's a sense, I think, as we're going to see how Zechariah's story unfolds, that behind the outer righteousness and the the doing things right, the faithfulness, the faithful priest, there's a sense that something has just got lost along the way. We're going to see that in a minute as we see his reaction to the angel. But there's a a, a book in in, in Psalms, I want to encourage you with, if if you're not really a sort of a a Christmas kind of person, if I say to you, you're meant to be a a Christmas person, you're kind of like, well, that's not really me, either at the moment or or ever really. There's a Psalm I want you to to look at, we're going to look at just some small bits of it. It's Psalm 33 um, in your Bibles. If you have got a pen, I I recommend just noting it down, some great words of hope uh, and encouragement. There's a a psalm, um, which is uh, just some great encouraging words of, of both times of trial, but then our, our instruction to us as well, that the joy we have of knowing God. And, and we're going to look at just three little verses from it as we, we go through the passage today. But I, I'd encourage you to take it home. Psalm 33:17 says, A horse is a vain hope for deliverance, despite all its great strength it cannot save. Some at this point are going, that is a very bizarre verse for you to read. I kind of was with you, semi, but now I've lost you completely. That the point I'm trying to make is that behind the righteousness and the doing things right was a sense of relying on self through the disappointment of unanswered prayer, you know, through this, this struggle. A horse is a sign of strength. It's something I use to fight the battle with. It's something which I can rely on. And you see what this passage says, despite all its great strength, it cannot save. What God is interested in in you this morning is not righteous behaviour or the fact that you're in church on a Sunday. It's what's going on behind that. That is what God is interested in the most. In Zechariah and Elizabeth, that is what he's interested in. We're going to see that with the way the angel talks to Zechariah in a minute. I can tell some of you are kind of drifting to that point already, going, when's he going to get to that bit? But what's really, really important, I want to try and encourage you, is that sticking with it is a good thing, For Zechariah and Elizabeth, it was a good thing. But it's not the only thing. Because it cannot save. It cannot save. The heart with God is what saves. But that stuff helps, but it cannot save. And you get the sense as you read this, that Elizabeth and Zechariah were clinging on. They were faithful to God, this God that they knew and loved. 
but something was missing. Let's, let's have a look at how they, they react. Zechariah's life had been tough, but the high point of his priestly life comes at this point. Did you know that there are thousands of priests? There was the proper priests, and there are these other people that were from different family lines, the lay priests. They would help and, and encourage around the temple. And we read this in verse 8, that once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot to go and burn the incense in the daily offering before God. Did you know that once you'd been chosen by lot, you weren't entered into the lot again? This was literally a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. This is like being promoted to the first team. Little, little Zechariah there, he's served all his life faithfully, and he's going to the temple. The context of the, the childlessness here, you kind of think he's probably put it to one side. He probably wasn't thinking about it. I've got this duty to do, this joy, this immense privilege of going to offer prayers to God. And I want to try and encourage you that the reason why prayer and sticking with God is really a good thing to do is precisely this. Because Zechariah was faithful, so he was in the position to receive from God. And my word, what does he receive from God? Can you see what's promised to him? All him and Elizabeth want is a son. But God gives them a prophet. All they want is a, a boy to carry on the family name. God gives them the person that's going to carry on the, the kingly line of David forever. All they wanted was a family. And God provides them something so much more glorious. This, this person that will unite us today with our, our global family. And I want to try and encourage you that God's plans will come to pass in the right time. Because part of the problem with life is that life is hard and that steals us of our joy. But if we forget what God's character is, we're in danger of losing out on, on, on the joy of what it means to follow God. Have you noticed why as well God chooses Elizabeth and Zechariah? It doesn't say it clearly there, but it's clear that prayer mattered. Can you see that with me? Verse 11. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Why do we bother praying when life doesn't seem to change? Have you ever thought that? The situation doesn't change. Why am I praying? This tough thing is still happening. Why am I praying? This person's not getting better. Why am I praying? My, my work situation is still tough. Why am I praying? Money's still tight. Why am I praying? Have you ever thought that? You had those thoughts? We can't change God's mind anyway. God knows what he wants to do. Why bother praying? Have you ever thought those thoughts? Because that's the problem with these doubts, that they steal the joy of what prayer is about. Prayer is about the fact that we are heard by God every time we pray. And yet I'm grateful that God doesn't do exactly what I want when I want, because often when I do what I want to do when I want to do it, I realise I should have saved it for tomorrow, or the day after. The timing is much better than put off. But I want to try and encourage you that, that if you're a sort of person that, that struggles with the joy of being a Christmas person, can I encourage you to check your prayer life first of all? Because the problem with not being very joyful is that quite often then we become joyless before God and everything becomes a chore. For Elizabeth and Zechariah, the, the request for a son was a daily big 
thing. But have you noticed when the prayer's answered? Have you noticed that in the passage when the prayer's answered? The prayer is answered too late in human eyes, isn't it? Too late. Zechariah says, I'm old. My wife's barren. Humanly speaking, even when prayer seems impossible to work, don't forget that we have a God who does the impossible. I really want to encourage you in that this morning, that that what God wants us to do is continue to trust in prayer. What's the point of just praying when it's humanly possible? Because humanly it could be answered. Keep praying even when you get to the point where you've got nothing left. I love the fact as well that the angel elaborates on what this son... He could have just said, do you know what, you're going to have a son. But verse 14 to 17, he elaborates that he will be a joy and a delight to you. Imagine the great news Zechariah has just heard. I've been praying for this my entire life. An angel of the Lord has said it's going to happen. I've been ready for this moment from the beginning of time when we discovered my wife could not have children. I've been faithful to God. And here's the crunch, here's the big bit. If you're asleep at this point, do wake up because this is the the, the big challenge. How does Zechariah react? Psalm 33 puts it well. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those, who hope it, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. I just want to encourage you that if you're feeling joyless today, if you're feeling that you're not a Christmas person today, trust in prayer and know that God cares and hears you because of what those words say. But let's have a look. This is the exciting bit as we come towards a finish. How does Zechariah, this faithful priest, Act. This person that has all the outward trappings of a righteous lifestyle, this person who has got regular prayer, who has been specifically praying for a son. An angel comes and says, you will have a son. How does Zechariah act? Can you tell your neighbour please, just briefly, give a nudge if they're having a nap. How does Zechariah act? Have a look and have a chat, this is really important. Okay, any thoughts? Any thoughts? How does Zechariah act? Any thoughts? How does he act? Doubts. Very good, he doubts. You would think he would be pleased, no? No? He's been praying his entire life for a baby. He's been doing his priestly thing, faithful before God. He's probably gone home every day knowing, and this isn't a sexist thing, this is an observation, knowing how women often just work that worry over and over again. Uh, in their head. He's probably had that at home. He's he's gone to do that. As a husband, he feels inadequate. He feels like we've not been able to have a boy. This angel comes and blows him away and says, you will have a son. Despite the fact that he's old and barren, an angel telling me is probably going to point me towards the fact it might be true. I don't know about you, the angel thing would, would be the sealer of the deal. But what's fascinating is, and this is what I'm trying to get to, if you're the sort of person that no longer enjoys Christmas, and you've got so used to it. You know the routine. You know the way things are going to be. You know how your family are going to act. And you know the way the telly is going to be. And you know that your presents are not going to be the ones you really want because she shops in a catalogue store somewhere and your shops are only available online. Whatever it is, whatever it is, do not let that 
spoil your joy of Christmas. But more than that, do not ever, ever, ever get that attitude about God that you know how he is going to be. Never let that creep in. Never put God in a box where you know exactly how he is going to deal with you. Do not ever do that because living faith means that it's a living, growing faith. A faith that surprises. The minute that you let God become this distant figure who you know that he never answered your prayers before anyway. And yeah, the Bible says he loves me, but I know that he's probably all about other people at the moment. It's not really about me. In the same sense that Christmas is not really about me, it's about someone else. That's when you stop being a Christmas person. Zechariah should have had the faith to go, wow. Because this isn't the first time an angel appears telling people about babies. Throughout the whole of the Old Testament, angels appear and say, your baby's going to do something special. Your baby's going to be a prophet. Your baby's going to be a prophet. John follows, he's the last of the prophets. He's, he's got a very prophetic kind of thing going on with his upbringing and his background. He's not meant to drink. The stuff he wears shows him to be a prophet in the mode of Elijah, pointing people to God. And yet Zechariah doubts We need to have a living faith, a faith where where we can be surprised by God, where we don't expect him to treat me the same. Do not let Sundays become the routine where you come and sit and you go, you come and you sit and you go, you come and you sit and you go, and you kind of give the sermons four out of ten, five out of ten, depending on how funny they were. Living faith is about this changing faith, this this God that, that, that surprises you daily. And it's a glorious faith. Can you see in verse 19 to 20? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak with you to tell you this good news. The reason we're meant to be a Christmas people is that Christmas is good news. And the minute that we become bad news to a world where we just criticise and we comment on stuff and we're not good news is when we have a problem. We need to have this glorious hope held tight. Zechariah didn't get it. A boy's coming. I'd have been out of that temple as quick as I could to go and see my wife to make it happen. (laughs) Because he's not like Jesus. And I don't mean to be crude this morning. He's not like Jesus' conception. It's something very different going on. And I I don't mean to say that just to be funny. That's really important to get. that, That God is working through Zechariah. The joy of what he experienced lives out in the world the way he goes and lives. That's really important to grasp because he could have just heard the good news and gone, okay, fine. But he had to do something with it. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's really important that this good news we have doesn't become just something we kind of keep to ourselves. We know that this is for the people in the world too because the people are outside waiting for Zechariah to come back. As well as offering the incense for the people, this is a corporate thing. Okay, Christmas... Christmas, God himself come to earth is a corporate thing. As a whole church, it's not good enough if just two of us are Christmas people and we carry the rest. You know, have you got one in your family? My mum is the worst. She wears the Santa outfit the entire week of Christmas. She makes this really weird mum noise when she's excited, which is kind of like, because she loves Christmas. And, And we kind of mock her for it, but she carries us through with this Christmas. She does stupid things. She puts talcum powder on her feet and walks like snow prints up the stairs. Yeah. But I love her for it because she's got it. She, when I say stupid, I mean lovely. Um, but she's got it. Christmas is that. I don't want you to go home today hearing that church says Christmas is a bad thing. 
I don't want you to... Christmas is a great thing. You do it right, you do it with God first, others next, you last. That's a good way to work Christmas. But enter into it with all your heart because of what it is. For Zechariah, imagine this day, this is a life-changing day. Probably in his late 50s, having a a boy who he has to raise himself is a life-changing day. But what a day. What a day for the people in the world. The hope in Psalm 33, which after we've talked about, the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope is in on his, failing, on, on his unfailing love. It says to do this, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. The great news of Christmas is this, that John points to someone even greater. His birth is miraculous, but Jesus' birth is, is super miraculous. He points to someone that not just saves us from death, but keeps us alive in famine. The reason I want you to be a Christmas person is it is not good enough just to say, yes, my Lord died for me and I have resurrection from the dead when I die, because it's life now that counts. That's what counts. You are meant to be a Christmas person, a Christmas people. Zechariah had not done that, had he, as we come to a finish. Zechariah had the faith, had the right actions, but when the crunch came, when the moment of joy hit his home, that a son was being given for him, he didn't get it, did he? He doubted. He doubted. He had everything else, but that one thing was missing. The fact that all your prayers have been answered in Jesus has to mean something, surely, with the way you treat your kids, the way you work, the way you drive, the way you talk to people that just wind you up something chronic, the way you deal with those socks this Christmas when you were really hoping for a Microsoft Xbox 360 Elite. However you deal with that stuff has to be impacted by this one moment in history. And I'm not trying to do this to tell you off, it's just that you still sit here, and I still sit here kind of going, yeah, it's good news, I guess. Salvation is found in no one else apart from Jesus. There is no way to the Father except through him. I can, know Je- I can know God because of who Jesus is. I know God's character. I know the fact that he cares about the poor and the oppressed. I know that about God. I know that, that then he thinks that of me. I know that Jesus accepted sinners while they were still far off. And that means I know that he cares that about me too. Advent, I hope, gives you four weeks to get excited about Christmas. I really hope it does. We're going to delve more into Mary. We'll see how she believed God when when she was told something even more mind-blowing later on. You can compare the, the two reactions. The thing I really want to try and get across today is Zechariah had everything right, but when the moment of crunch hit, he'd forgotten that he was meant to be a Christmas person too. And I really want to just encourage you to think about that, to think about it as you go. That, 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 that God has given so, so much on our behalf that for us as a church to be a little bit gloomy about it seems a bit odd, to be blunt. And if we can be generous at this time, as, as the video talks about giving to others because of what's been given to us, I really, really encourage you to think about that too. We're going to finish there. I know I've kind of rambled through it and gone through fairly quick. Just don't miss that moment. Okay, for Zechariah, the moment was a son had been given to him. This Christmas, God's son has been given for us. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Run away and make it happen. All right. Thank you.